Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of the Aviation Spotters Podcast. I am your host, Colin Moser. Firstly, guys, I apologize that I wasn't able to get this episode out on time. Uh, my new work schedule is, isn't the best for doing podcasting, and I really, really, really do apologize um, up front about the delay in this episode. Uh, I, I will try to mitigate any other delays that happens throughout the remainder of Season 3. Um, but we have so much more to look forward to in Season 3, so I really do appreciate your patience when it comes to my new schedule. Also, so yesterday marks the 80th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. And say that uh, we won't forget the sacrifices of the American men that uh, died that day 80 years ago. So with that being said, this is episode 27 of the Aviation Spotters podcast, and my guest is one of my very good friends from Portland, Oregon. And man, we talk about a lot of stuff. So much stuff that this is a two-part episode. Yep, that's right, two parts. So so today we're going to air part one, and then next week we're going to be airing part two. This is a fantastic episode with Julian. Um, really, really awesome. And there is a little feedback in the microphones. So if you do hear some feedback, I, I apologize. I've really tried to get uh, rid of it and mitigate it. But if it's there, I do apologize. But uh, anyway, guys, this is a fantastic interview with a true Av Geek. So I think you're going to be really, really impressed with this interview. But yeah, so let's get going and uh, for part one of this awesome interview with my friend Julian Elasner. All right, everybody, we are here with my friend Julian Elasner from Portland, Oregon. And uh, I'm not going to lie, we've been we've been trying to schedule this one for, for quite a while now. But uh, anyway, Julian uh how you doing this uh this afternoon you spelled my last name wrong uh it's el nasser you know what's funny they're not gonna see that this is just for us recording and it's not gonna even no, you, you said it like that too but it's it's okay if you want to keep it like that i have no problem with that. so okay so, how, how, how do i pronounce it el nasser the n goes after the l everything else is perfect and i get that name butchered all the time so i'm completely fine with it okay Got it. Sorry. No, no. It's all, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. You know what? We're not going to cut that part out. It's we're going to leave it. It's a learning opportunity. Well, now we're not going to cut it. We're not going to cut it. We're going to we're going to keep we're going to keep chugging along. So Julian L. Nasser. All right. So man, uh, well, welcome to the show. First of all. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's really awesome. Of course. No, but we've been trying to get a. I've been trying to get a Portland spotter on here forever. Um, I try to get his Russellness. If you don't know who his Russellness is, uh, Russell Hill, one of the kind of OGs in aviation photography, and probably one of the best aviation photographers out there. Um, unfortunately, uh, his schedule has just been completely whack since I started, so it's just hard for him to get on here. But uh, I'm uh, really fortunate you agreed to come on and be our first Portland guest. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll fill in for Russell for now, but he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to do it sometime. Yeah. Well, uh, well, let's get to know you a little bit, man. So, uh, where are you from, and how you got into aviation photography and aviation in general? 
So, I mean, it, it kind of sounds a little cheesy, but I honestly have been into it since before I can remember. Um, so, I, I mean, I ask my mom every now and again, like, hey, do, you know, how did this all happen? Because for as long as I can remember, I was always into it. And I always had basically my number one passion as aviation. And uh, basically she tells me when I was you know, still in a crib, like a year old or whatever, I was, she'd put me in the outdoor crib in the backyard and watch the, watch the planes go over. Um, I grew up in, uh, North Hollywood, California, which is a suburb of, uh, Los Angeles. And, uh, we lived right under the departure path of, uh, Burbank airport or Burbank Hollywood airport, depending on how you, uh, know that airport's name, which has changed over the years. But, uh, yeah, so just watching the planes go over, I guess, ignited the spark, and my mom saw that I took interest in that at an extremely young age before I could even, like, talk and stuff. So she'd read to me and um, teach me basically about, you know, military and commercial aircraft and just all the names and stuff. And uh, I went to my first air show when I was... Three, I believe it was. Uh, it was Van Nuys, Van Nuys Air Show, um, which doesn't exist anymore. But back in the day, uh, all you LA folks will know Van Nuys Air Show was the place to be. And um, as I was at the air show, I was naming off planes and stuff. And my mom was like, "All right, kid, all right, that's that's cool and all." But she didn't. I don't think she really believed me when I was naming these planes. So she decided to kind of check and go to the pilots and say hey you know my kid said this is an f-16 is that really true and every time apparently i got it right so at a very young age i kind of established you know a baseline if you want to call it and uh i could uh identify aircraft um at that age already so it was just building blocks from there so for people that don't know uh Van Nuys, what is Van Nuys Airport? So why, why did that air show stop? I know you know why, but for the people that uh, don't know, so why, why, why did it end? So Van Nuys Airport is, or was at one point, one of the busiest airports in the world, just based off of movements. It's uh, non-commercial, it's just all GA and biz jets and stuff like that. It's uh, pretty much Los Angeles' main biz jet airport. Um, it's it's pretty much surrounded by homes. It's it's densely packed area, and uh, the air show I guess just lost its traction with the locals and uh, noise concerns uh, kind of came up and took over from the you know the two days that that air show happened a year. I guess was superseded by oh we need less fighter jets in the area and honestly that other than the air show there was never any military presence at that airport that I could think of at least in that age so you know just pretty much noise complainers and uh, I'm sure there was a cost issue that went into it as well but yeah. the, the main factor was people in the neighborhood were just sick and tired of it which uh, kind of sucks yeah were you ever around El Toro? I, that was just right before my time, so I didn't really know about El Toro at my age. I'm sure it was around when I was that young, but uh, I never heard about it until I think I was watching Independence Day, and then I heard about this place called El Toro, and it's like, oh, let me look that up, and holy holy crap, that's in, uh, that's in LA, why didn't I go to that? But I think it closed around the time 
when I started getting into air shows. I was mainly around at that age, uh, Point Magoo, uh, which stills in existence today. Um, Miramar also, uh, Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, there was a few others too, but uh, yeah, I pretty much tried to hit up every single, or my mom, sorry, tried to hit up every single air show to take me to at that young age, and uh, I definitely thank her a lot for that, because she definitely ignited that passion for me. Oh yeah, so how did your mom get into aviation then? Uh... So, she didn't really, it was kind of like, like I said earlier, she saw me taking an interest in it, and um, of So course, she just kind of learned with you then? Yeah, she she had a natural, you know, she always kind of liked fighter jets. Uh, she never had gone to an air show before, but just the, you know, the sound of them, the, you know, they're naturally really cool looking and all that. And um, having me interested in them, I guess, was just like, okay, that's that's fine with me. I'll, I'll learn this thing too. And she, she knows her fighter jets just as well as, you know, any other spotter out there. Does she take pictures of them? No. Uh, although she did take pictures for me when um, I was really young, like at those Van Nuys air shows and all that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm left with some great slides and scans and all that, and I have pictures of stuff that I was like, damn, you know, I can't believe I saw that. F-14s, Nighthawks, stuff like that. You know, awesome. Yeah, my my dad was the same way uh, growing up, not uh, at Mountain Air Force Base with Gunfighter Skies. Uh, there's a photo of my dad and I with him on my shoulder, or he, he on my, his, I'm on his shoulder, it's like in 2000, and like in the background there's an open sky 707 in that photo, yeah, and uh, let's see, we have, my dad took photos of the F-117 demo when that was still kind of going on, uh, in 03 and 02, up there, and unfortunately didn't get any photos of the aftermath of the Thunderbirds pop, and we were, we were actually, we were there for that show, uh, actually, believe it or not, yeah, I love this because... Oh, well, I love it because every time I go on base at Mountain Home, I talk with all the pilots. You know, they're all you know, they're, we're all the same age. I'm like, yeah, I remember when the Thunderbird ejected out of here. You're like, wait, what? And I'm like, oh yeah, I've been to every Gunfighter Sky since 2000, and uh, I was here that day when the Thunderbird popped. And they're like, what? And like, so that's always got a funny little tidbit. And actually, funny enough, speaking of Gunfighter Sky, the last time I was on base for a, uh, an event that I was honored to be a part of, uh, that very day, 15 years prior as gunfighter skies 05 or oh, 16 years yeah so my brother and i were walking that very ramp where i was walking that day so that is kind that's of a fun crazy night. coincidence it, it really is but you know it's, it's always nice that the parents when your parents get a kind of my, my mom she always supported me. my parents always supported me with this which i am so thankful for and my i can thank my dad because he actually he, he he grew with me he learned with me and um, he really, you know, he really did get into it, and I've taken him out on some uh, a low-level trip once, which was a bust. But uh, he's gone out to Mountain Home with me a couple times, and you know, it's it's always nice when when your when your parents kind of were there from the start, even before the start, to be honest. And you know, that's that's awesome. You know, I'm really happy that your mom took those memories for you because you know, we look back on them now. You know, I'm the same way. You know, it's like, oh my God, we actually have a photo of this. You know, my dad took a photo of that uh, VAQ-129, that the all-blue one, the all-blue Prowler. Oh, is that the, the Kona bird? Yeah, that was at Mountain Home for one of the gunfighter skies, and my dad got a photo of it. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's how I was looking through those, you know, those photo albums. Of just like, you know, just regular prints, and, you know, you put them under the 
scan them and put them on the computer and there you go you got a nice photo of uh, an f-117 or in your case a, a you know a kona prowler or something like that yeah it's really cool yeah well uh what about so kind of moving this forward a little bit same same part of this question but what are your other outside hobbies besides aviation if you have any um no i do uh, aviation is uh the big one obviously but uh all my other, you know, hobbies kind of tie in with aviation, at least most of them. So one big one is traveling. I love traveling. Mm-hmm. Just even if we uh, if we go somewhere um, where it's you know, aviation related, if I go to an air show or something, I'd love to just take a day aside or maybe half a day if I can to where just I can just explore the area. You know, whether that's going to a national park or just going downtown to wherever I am and. Just seeing the culture and the vibes and all that, and just kind of, yeah, yeah, just getting a feel for it. Because I don't like when I go somewhere and just do the air, airplane stuff. That I mean, I've seen what I want to see, but I also want to say, hey, you know, I've been here. I've also seen this. I've done that, and it, it's uh, it's cool to check that off the list. Um, and then also another couple hobbies of mine: um, photography in general. So the other night I was photographing the. Aurora Borealis, which I guess yeah. is uh, pretty rare down in these parts of Portland. And uh, the other night we had a rather strong uh, solar storm, I think they call it. So I went out to the middle of the Washington wilderness and tried to get a picture of it. I, I think I got a little bit of a glow. I didn't get what I was expecting, but that's okay. It was still pretty cool. Oh, yeah, so I got to see it. it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I could see it with the naked eye, too, which was pretty cool. I guess I could say I've seen it, but I definitely want to go up to Alaska or Iceland or something and see those things up close. Well, if you go up to Alaska, then you have an excuse to go over to uh, Ielsen and Ellendorf. Oh, yeah, that, that has nothing to do with that, right? Of course. <laughs> no, not at all. And then uh, the, the last thing I'd say uh, is uh, I have a really big passion for, for animals, which is uh, kind of thanks to my, my mom as well. She always uh, rescued animals and had a pet rescue slash supply store growing up. So I kind of grew up with the kid's dream of, you know, after school going to my mom's pet store and, you know, hanging out with all the animals and stuff. And uh, all her life she's been doing that. So it's kind of been... I don't want to say forced on me, but it's been forced in a good way upon me. I, I really like having animals and dogs and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. That is, that's awesome, though. That really is. It's very wholesome. Um, now, I'm trusting. I'm the same way, man. When I go do air shows or if I go to an airport to go take, or like a, I want to say like necessarily like a spotting trip per se, but... You know, I'm not, I just don't want to stay at an airport 24-7 the whole entire trip at the air show. I like, I want to go, like, if I go travel somewhere I've never been, I want to go see this local sites. I want to taste the local food. Um, our mutual friend Jordan and I, when we went to the Cherry Point Air Show, I've never been to the East Coast. That was my first time in the Carolinas. And, uh, man, I fell in love with Coastal Carolina so much so. My girlfriend and I went to Charleston. Uh, back for my birthday back in March, but man, I you know after after Jordan and I uh, we parted our ways, I took the car, I went to downtown Raleigh, I went to go look at the Capitol building, walked around, had some local barbecue, and you know this this did the little tourist thing, you know some kid from Idaho, kid from Idaho, and you no know, like after Star Wars Canyon, you know for example when we go out back uh, before Star Wars Canyon had the its unfortunate demise. Uh, 
the majority of photographers stayed in Lone Pine, California. Yeah. This little, small, side-of-the-road town that you wouldn't bother stopping by. But, oh, my God. I love... That town is fantastic. It, is, it really is a, like a little bit of heaven on Earth right there. It's... They have some really good food. They have some awesome history music. like they have like an old western film museum a lot of the western movies are filmed down that area um a lot of john wayne stuff is out there if you're a big uh john wayne fan <coughs> chris mcgreevy um, <laughs> what did you think we watched when we were at his cabin back in march we were watching oh we were watching john wayne that was it we get shoot shoot, shoot. well we didn't get any jets that that whole trip but we, that night we had steak beer and watching john wayne <laughs> that sounds really romantic. I'm glad you guys had a really good time there. We did. We did. We slept on adjacent couches, too. <laughs> I know. Perfect. Yeah. It also snowed in the Mojave. Even better. Yeah. I brought I brought the weather with me. Yeah. And that's actually attributed to why we didn't get any jets. Well, okay. When I said we didn't get any, we got two BLT-38s, which are quite distant. You know what sucks about that? The Argos F-35C called Sidewinder. Oh, did that he? Was a, that was the first. What, what did he not run the part you were on, or was he too high? Uh, so this was the apparently this was the first time the Argos had clearance to fly the Winder. We didn't know about this. It was like we found this out after the fact. And Chris, like, I've never heard the Argos call Sidewinder like the full length. And so they call. So okay, he also told me that so the Jedi transition is different from Star Wars Canyon. So the Jedi transition is the whole thing from Point Charlie to Point Juliet. The Star Wars Canyon was just a little canyon a little five along the route. Of it, yeah. So the Star Wars Canyon is closed, the Jedi transition is open. There is a difference, according to the Sidewinder god, Chris McGreevy. Um, so he called low level, and we're going, Chris is like, Holy crap, dude! They never fly low. This is the first time I've ever ever heard them fly low. When you when you say when you hear Chris McGreevy saying this is the first time I've heard them call low, you get ready. Um, well, the weather was closing it. The day started out absolutely beautiful, and then it just went to shit. Immediately, just went to shit. And of course, so he called. So we're I'm not gonna say exactly where we were because I respect his locations. Uh, but he called to the point where we were at, and then right before he came to us, he said, uh, Joshua Approach, Argo, or Rough Rider, whatever they're called, sent as Argo. Jason. Um, uh, it's, yeah, uh, but Jason, whatever their number was, uh, Sidewinder, unworkable. Uh, and that was that. Bugged out. And after he, and so Joshua got that, no one else flew that day. That was that. Um, but, yeah, man. That's that. But uh, speaking of low levels, yes. this is my curveball is telling me about. So I know I sent you a list of questions, but let's just go straight into it, man. Low-level aviation photography. I know that's how a lot of people know you. So uh, just explain why you're in love with the low levels, and uh, we can go from there. So it, I know this is going to sound uh, you know, kind of contradicting to what I normally do, but at first I was not a huge fan of low levels uh, before I tried it. I should I add that. Um, I, I vaguely remember, I believe it was Jordan, your, our mutual friend Jordan had messaged me something about going down to Star Wars Canyon, and I had told him, like, hey man, this, this looks cool, but I just, I don't know if I could sit out there all day and hope something comes through and end up having nothing come through, and back then also I had different camera gear, and I'm sure we'll get into that later, but 
I had not been really in, interested in it, but a few years later, I believe this was uh, 2019, this was February 2019, I uh, had a trip planned down to Red Flag um, with a few friends, and um, about two weeks before, this is, yeah, about two weeks before, we had a little powwow. Everyone got together and we had Chinese food up here in Portland and we just wanted to discuss you know, the plans for the trip. And that same day was the day that the F-117 was doing laps down low in Panamint and you know the pilot gave the shotgun and all that. And Obviously it was basically the biggest thing in aviation at the time. The day the aviation world melted yeah, absolutely. down. Absolutely. And we were we were melting down with them. I, I will not, you know, say I wasn't part of that. Oh, I completely agree. And that's funny, at the same time, Jordan, Chris and I were planning our gargantuan... Actually, Jordan wasn't part of this plan yet. But Chris and I were planning our gargantuan Prowler Sundown trip slash Yuma trip slash Red Flag trip slash Star Wars Canyon trip. And this is where all of our, so everybody's plan changed with this. Like, I don't mean like their plan didn't, like their plan changed, our plan changed, Co-op's plan changed. And the Co-op had some other things up their sleeve too, but that's a different conversation. Might have benefited from just secondhandedly, like just showing up to the canyon and, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, we, I mean, we, uh, we had that powwow, and we were just sitting there at the table, and we were just saying, you know, imagine if we were out there, and we saw that. Because none of us, or I think most of us in that group hadn't been to the canyon yet. I think there was one of us that had. It was what, Dan, Daniel wasn't a part of that trip, he was, was he? was. Daniel was the only oh, one that oh, had yeah. prior yeah. experience at the canyon. And Alex. Was, and was Alex a part of that trip, too? Alex, Paul... And there was a couple others, too, that aren't really big spotters, necessarily. They're just kind of along for the ride. Um, but I know we, we met up with uh, Sam Miller up there on, at the canyon. and uh, Ed, Edward was there also. Edward, that's right. And that was also when I met uh, uh, McGreevy as well. So it was, yeah. Yeah. it was pretty packed out there. I have pictures of all the cars lined up. Yeah, it was not, f- it was not fun. Yeah. I'm gonna say it wasn't fun. Just the amount. Okay, Star Wars Canyon is always fun, but Star Wars Canyon was. It's when there's so many people and you're standing shoulder to shoulder with people. It it's it kind of takes the the luster out of it. It does take away from, from my the, perspective. It, yeah, it, it does take away the feeling of isolation and that you know you're out here kind of accomplishing something if that's the right way of putting it. But when you have a whole crowd of people, you're kind of like. You get the you kind of get the community feeling, but you also get the feeling of okay, well, you know, it's it's kind of going to be everyone's going to get the shot kind of feeling. I I don't know how to put that in any other way, but like I hope the viewers will understand that. Yeah, everyone everyone's going to get the the same shot. It's not as rewarding, maybe that's that's the way of putting it, because I I have no problem with other people putting in the effort and coming out and getting the same shot. But when it's just a mass, yeah. you, know, you know, crowd, there was over 100 people out there easily for sure um oh yeah yeah but with all that aside it was my first canyon experience and i had a blast despite the 50 degree temperatures and 25 mile per hour constant wind without a jacket oh Um, yeah just the winds from hell i thought death valley you know my first time there it's gonna be you know t-shirt weather but no i just i got a wind burn and a sunburn and didn't feel the sunburn until i got you know back home later but um, that that aside, it was an absolute 
just bonkers day. I think we had something like 15 passes, and every pass we got was just quality. Whether it was the squadron, the type of plane, or the type of pass. I mean, we had Super Hornets buzzing us at Father Crowley at, you know, I don't know, 100 feet um, that day. So I I had that experience, thankfully. But what, uh, I mean, I guess that really brought my low-level uh, passion. And as soon as I got home from that trip, I mean, Red Flag was awesome, don't get me wrong, but I needed to go back and do that again because it was just such an awesome day. I, I will never forget that day. I'd always thought if I needed to just, if I had a chance to do a day over, that would probably be the day where I just want to experience it again. Um, so as soon as I got home, back to Portland, I started looking at you know when I could take more time off, and the next opportunity came up in June. And I set aside a week um, to go to not only Star Wars Canyon, but combine some other stuff uh, in there, but had three days solid at Star Wars Canyon. And that was about a month before the crash. And, you know, obviously not knowing up until that point, um, I was having another just great few days out there getting Brazilian Tucanos coming through. I got your Idaho A-10s coming through, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, don't 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 rub it in. Actually, you know what? Rub it in because I found my own little spot, so. You know, rub that one in too much, but uh, they were just absolutely beating up the canyon. Uh, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, they were having a blast. Um, and got some other cool stuff, and uh, again, as soon as I got home from that trip, I wanted to think about when I was going to come back, and I had tentatively planned for a November trip that year, 2019, uh, to catch the Alaska aggressors coming through, because usually when they come in for their yearly visit to Nellis, for their cross-training or whatever they do, they hit up the Sidewinder a lot. And so that was my next thing, but as we all know, in July that kind of all changed when the unfortunate crash happened, and of course that was just a terrible day for all of aviation, I felt sick to my stomach that day, just thinking about, you know, what if I had been there, and, you know, the people that were there that saw that, I just, you know, it was a horrifying thought to me. So I kind of dropped out of the game um, for about a year, and I, you know, after that, low level was kind of an afterthought, because it was just, you know, I didn't think there was opportunities like that ever. I could go down to the Sidewinder again and, you know, try looking at spots, but it's it's tough for someone like me to do that rather than, you know, someone who lives out there like uh, Christopher McGreevy, you know, who pretty much, it's in his backyard, so I, I It is his it backyard. Is, really, it's his playground. <laughs> Uh, but, but 2020 rolls around and COVID hits while I'm in Vegas for Red Flag. And that, that's the story in itself. But Dude, I was going to fly down there. So that so I think we're going to be there the same, roughly the same time. So my birthday was like, but my birthday is when that was. So I was going to fly down. You were there for week two, I think, right? I was getting ready to go down there, and the day I was flying down, that's when Vegas, that's when the flag canceled, and that's when Vegas shut down. Was that day, because I was going to fly down, do with the flag, my girlfriend's going to fly down, uh, later on that evening, we're going to have like a birthday celebration for me, because it was a couple days after my birthday, and then she was going to fly back in the morning, and I was going to do second day flag and fly back home at night. 
that day, like literally the day before I flew down there, Vegas, that's the flag was, we were, we didn't know. So the, the flag was like, it was in limbo, right? It was like going, oh, it's kind of going on. Like the Germans are going to participate, but the other, but the other people are. And then all of a sudden flag canceled and Vegas is like, everyone go home. Yeah. And we're like, and I, I'm like, that's when, every, yeah, that's when everyone, that's when everyone's just kind of like, oh, <laughs> Oh boy. That was a very that was it's still an interesting time, but it's not uh it's not what it was. That was just, I hope we never that happens never again. Uh, you know, it was it was truly a scary feeling sitting in an airport wondering if you were gonna, you know, have to get, all the flights were canceling. I, I I was in Vegas when that was happening and all the flights were canceling and people were running around the airport and I was starting to see people with masks. I mean now masks is second nature to us. But this was just like we had yeah. no idea what this virus. It's like it was like we had no idea yeah. what was going on. We, I mean, we like we now like we we all know what COVID is now, right? But like in the beginning, we were like, dude, ooh. like it's like it's like it's like right. a Absolutely. Hollywood movie. It was right? like uh, that one movie. What, what's it called? Um, that one contagion. Made, contagion. Contagion. Yeah, that it exactly felt like that. Yeah, I remember walking through. I know this is really off topic, but I remember walking through the Boise Airport at two in the afternoon during what would have been spring break and i'm the only person in there we have uh there's a video like an archive video within the airport that's it it was like taken end of march during the daytime and we screened like maybe 200 passengers that day yeah, but uh, I don't know about dreary the, the beginnings of COVID. Let's get back to your story. Yeah, no, uh, got a little sidetracked there, but uh, COVID hit, you know, made it back home safe and sound. And we basically had nothing on the table for us at that point because even plane spotting was, you know, usually that's the pastime when everything's just going wrong. You can always count on plane spotting. But even at that point, plane spotting was just not an option really because there were no flights. Exactly. Yeah, the yeah. that were there were, you know, your usual kind of, you know, dull, commercial, see-it-every-day type stuff. There wasn't any, you know, military visitors or, you know, cool passenger stuff. The heavies were all gone from Portland. The, all the other international airlines, which are words catching, just ceased to, ceased to exist. Literally, some of them, some of them literally ceased to exist. Condor come back here even to this day, so I, I don't know what's up with them, but... I might have to look into that. But one thing I, I was seeing uh, was uh, our good friend, Mr. David Honan, posting these absolutely awesome shots of growlers going through the uh, the wilderness of the Cascade Mountains. And I'd always seen that mm-hmm. and I always just thought, it's, you know, they're just growlers. I want canyon. I want, you know, days where I can get any plane in the inventory possibly going through uh, you know, reverse passes, all this stuff, and just crazy, you know, action. I never actually stopped and told myself, you know, hey, dummy, you know, gotta take what you can get right now, and you'll be happy seeing a growler going through. And by May, I believe, I kind of realized that, and I made the, you know, I reached out to David, who I had previously known for about five years, so I wasn't just a stranger, but um, mm-hmm. I reached out to him and said, hey, buddy, you know, any chance I could join you for one of these uh, low-level gigs you got? And he was very gracious enough to you know, let a friend come out and uh, join him. And the first day, we had 
I'll call it one and a half passes because one pass was just went behind the mountain we were on and came out the other side and we barely saw it. Um, and that one pass that actually was good, I was instantly hooked. I was like, I don't care, you know, growlers or not, this is awesome. I'm literally out here in now kind of my backyard getting these planes coming through. And from there it was on. I returned, I think, a, a couple weeks later, got more stuff and so on. And by the end of the year, we even bagged some F-35s coming through. And um, now 2021, uh, taking it to a whole another level, uh, kind of, you know, stepped it up and started coordinating with, uh, you know, certain people and making things happen out there that I never would have imagined in my wildest dreams. Damn, it's, I mean, a 30, so I wanted to say this disclaimer, and you can back me up on this. Um, there's certain areas where Dave shoots, he keeps those to his Absolutely. chest. Um, there's certain, there's certain areas like, like my stuff, for example. Um, and people that plan out the 35 or the 55 need to be aware that this area where people get photos, it's a seven mile corridor and they can go through any it's it's actually closer to a ten mile corridor, and trust me, even even you know I always say this to Dave. I'm sorry for interrupting, but I I, I need uh -oh. to get this point off my uh -oh. chest while I have it here. Every time I'm up there with anybody, with David or whoever, just you know by myself, I it never goes to how you, it's planned. It never goes to how you think it's going to go. No matter how perfect the day is going. Something will always go wrong, and something will always go, oh man, you know, I wish that would have happened, or damn, he's over in that valley over there. It's even on the days where I've just, you know, screamed at the top of my lungs, just some, you know, some A10 comes by, but then the next, you know, next hour, something else will go behind you, or, you know, go above you, and it just out there it's so unpredictable and it's not like Star Wars Canyon. I'm sorry, it's nothing will ever be like no, Star it's Wars not. Canyon. I don't know. No, nothing will. It's the ease. I, I want to say this is Star Wars Canyon spoiled low level photographers a for a long time because ease of access, uh, plenty of variety, and just an overall good location to shoot from. It's good light, too, pretty much good light all year round. You know, my spots aren't. The 35 is sometimes depending on the winter depending on winter i don't want to say 30 i'm thinking of f-35s you know you talk about f-35s yeah. okay those amazing shots that by the way the demo team freaking shared yeah i was i was i wasn't that wasn't no, cool at all no, you, got, you know the whole f-35 demo team you know anyway. i know god just you're just out there watching the lake and all of a sudden these f-35s come on through your beautiful day god oh, yeah you oh, should have i have i haven't had the fortunate experience of the 55 yet i'm yeah, hoping to soon out there. um well if i know some some of my friends are flying up there then we might make something happen but uh maybe uh, like i said leave once i left the airlines it's a little more difficult for me to travel especially with the new job right now but uh it just trust me i'll be oh, trying to make it up sooner or later that's that's, that's for sure that's for sure and i'll and i'll, and I'll, I'll bring some friends with me how about that yeah, I think your low level work is fantastic. I just it's just really cool that jet because you know I went out to Star Wars. I was, I was you see I went to Star Wars Canyon first in February 2018. 
and a couple other trips in between that, and then 2019, and actually that day in March where we all went out there, that was my last trip to Star Wars Canyon, like, period, that was it, because I, 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 wasn't, I was planning on going out to see the Idaho Hogs, didn't work out, um, and then it just, it just got shot, um, and people were like, oh, it's going to come back, it's never going to come back. It's, it's, it is officially in the AP-1Bs, it is within the DOD, within the bases, oh, yeah. it's, done. it's 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 literally the Jedi transition a couple months ago literally has been rerouted around the canyon. It is now, there's now a, a little sub point, a sub, I guess, coordinate on the route that literally takes the Jedi transition away from the canyon. And, um... Yeah, you might see something there once in a while. Maybe it'll, you know, be fifteen hundred feet AGL above it, or you know, whatever. But it's never gonna be the the canyon that you and I once knew. So anyway, man, um, low levels photography. It's it's amazing. It's fun. It's awesome. Um, but uh, how about we just jump into the normal uh, ab SP questions, man? How do you feel about that? Well, I'm cool, man. down with that, yeah. Cool, man. Let's do it. Um, Let's do I it. Um, too, I got to pull my questions, too, because I just let my phone die. So with your low-level shots, what is the gear you use? Not just for low-level, but just, like, everything in general. So what's what's the, what's the, your camera gear you've used currently and, and currently have in the past? Uh, so currently I have, my body is a Canon 70D. That is a 70D, because I know there's also the 70. Um, uh, that's my only body right now. I use a 100-400 Mark II Canon lens, which is just awesome. I love it. I don't regret purchasing it for, you know, a substantial amount of money. Uh, and then, right now, I'm kind of dealing with, because of that huge purchase, I'm kind of having to deal with my 18-55 uh, to 55 kit lens for anything smaller, which doesn't come around often. I'm usually only using that for static air show stuff or whatever, but I'm looking into getting a... 24 to 105 or something like that to kind of fill that gap because the 18 to 55 is not really cutting it. Um, but before that, um, I had the Canon 100 400 Mark One, which was cool. It was it was a big step from where I came, but the quality once you know once I started doing more low level, I realized the quality wasn't where I wanted it, so I had to save up for, for the Mark Two. And then even before that, I had my, my starter camera was a Nikon D3100 with an 18-55 and 55-300 kit lenses. And um, that, you know, I'll always love that camera, no, no matter how much frustration it caused me when I was trying to literally, you know, I'd grown up seeing all these cool air show pictures. So I thought, oh, you know, I have a Nikon now. I can do the same when I got it 10 years ago. And, <laughs> living with the frustration of, oh, it's not focusing or whatever, you know, and same thing with my Pentax, man. My Pentax K3 with that Sigma 5500 was on his last legs, and I, that Aviation Nation was the last draw. I went back to my old K30 after that. I think we all have one of those moments where we're just, we sit there with our, you know, first camera and think, you know, as much as I loved it, Dude, okay, we're going to make the low-level photographer here for a second, but uh, Star Wars Canyon 2000, it was June, no, January 2019. Uh, I'll, keep, I'll keep it nice and short, but uh, 
my my camera body and my lens weren't really getting along and then over the ridge if you remember if, you, if you've been to star wars can you know what i'm talking about the ridge uh two nautic growlers came over and like literally did a mock dot like like a like a like they're flying over each other and dove in and my camera decided at that very moment it didn't want to work anymore because my lens wasn't making contact with my camera body like that very moment yeah um so anyway, at that moment i decided that i'm gonna go canon or Nikon. It was still it was still up in the air at that point, but trust me, man. I still use my K30 though, like my little like. Cause if I don't want to swap lenses, I'll keep my kit lens with the K30 on it. Works works just fine for me. Whatever works, right? If it's giving you the results you want, no reason to get rid of it just because it you know something else might have a fancier name to it. If it's if it's it's all about what you want. If it's not if it's not broken, don't fix it. So, but cool, man. So Nikon to Canon, huh? So you didn't feel like going staying with Nikon. You know, I I didn't really have any issues with it. I think it's kind of funny how other people had more issues with it when I mentioned it to them. You know, like, hey, you know, I was thinking about going to Canon, but whoa, you have a Nikon right now. <laughs> uh, our mutual friend, Daniel Gorn. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely did have a part in, you know, helping me get to Canon, but that was just based off of results. I, I'd seen results off of not only just him, but other people, and... I had the opportunity to try the camera and the lenses, and I just liked it better. I'm sure Nikon makes great stuff too. I'm not. This is not a knock to. No, the Nikon. No Nikon. I mean, that's that's what Rich Cooper and Kadarka Markar use for Nikon. Both previous guests of mine too. It's all personal. It's how do you? How does the camera work with you? And I had tried renting a uh, eighty to four hundred. A millimeter lens for before I'd switch to Canon just to try it out and it is a great lens if you use it right and my panning is not where that lens wants it to be so yeah, I yeah. decided to go to a little bit more forgiving lens which was the Canon 100-400 and there's people out there that rock that lens the, the 8400 they, they rock that lens perfectly I, I yeah no issue yeah. with that it's just about what you need and what you want it, it's true and this kind of good it's going to lead to the next question here in a second but you know your camera is a tool you it is your tool and it's up to you to learn your gear so it's all down to how do you use your photo gear i mean there are people that are still rocking d d7100 and they just put some glass on it, and they're taking some of the, some photos that are up there with the pros. Yeah, it's it's wow. really and, and even if even if other people are not really you know thinking your images are great or whatever, it's about what you want. There's exactly. no rules in this hobby. There's really if you're happy with what you're getting, don't worry about what other people are saying. Exactly. If you you know if you feel like shoot you know when I first started I was shooting backlit for four years three years oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, and like 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 you know I look back to these photos like man I wish I was a better photographer back then I'm like you know what at least I have a shot of it right you know and I'm I'm not gonna anybody like who's starting up I'm not gonna dock them I'm I will I will help them out to the best of my ability but then I will be straight them I'm like look at the end of the day you have to learn your camera. You just you, you it's, your camera's not not going to do the do the work for you. You're the person behind the lens. So, but I mean that's you know that being said is, you know do whatever makes you happy. If you want to shoot backlit, shoot backlit. If you want to try a new spot, try a new spot. Just don't get yourself in trouble and don't ruin it for other people. Caveat to that. Yeah. Um, don't don't be that person. Don't be that person that ruins it for everybody. Yeah. 
But uh, we'll, we'll kind of going into what we're talking about is uh, panning and all that. So what are your camera setups like? Do you shoot manual? Do you shoot aperture, shutter? Or uh, so how do you how do you set your camera for uh, for for shooting? So obviously that depends on what I'm shooting, but for just the you know average, I'm going to PDX or I'm going to a low level just to catch some fast movers or any other plane. I'm shooting mostly in manual, um, so I can manipulate all the settings. Uh, I will occasionally shoot in aperture, although it's getting less and less. I've kind of gone from you know when I first got a camera from shooting just auto, 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 auto to, you know, maybe I'll experiment with aperture or, you know, shutter priority. And now it's gotten to the point where manual is pretty much just, you know, second nature to me. I can manipulate everything I want and do whatever I want. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I'm the same way. Auto to experiment with shutter, uh, aperture, and then full-on manual. And it's funny, it's, I don't know if this is the same way with you, but I've, I've found a new way to hold the camera shooting manual with, like, changing settings. Like, I actually will, sh like, use my middle finger as a shutter button, and I'll have my thumb doing the aperture, and I'll have my, uh, my uh, index finger doing the, the shutter. So no, it's like I, really I, I weird. I can't say I've graduated to that level of expertise yet, but no, well, I have to look well, into that. Uh, well, Santos, whom, who I know is listening and needs to come on my show because it's time, buddy. We've been, I've been de I'm, I'm desperate for you to come on now. It's episode twenty-seven. Come on, what are you waiting for? Um, you know he does. If you ever seen him with his gargantuan 700, 600 millimeter with a 1.4 tel extender, he holds that freehand. Jeez. Yeah, and he has a pretty insane setup on how he does all that. But uh, you know, we can let him talk about it when he comes on the show. Yeah, that's that's more of a guy for settings I want to hear about than my. Yeah. Like, oh. Oh, put oh. it on manual and it'll do the work. You know. Let her rip, tater chip. <laughs> is what I say to my shutter when I shoot a low level A10. There you go. And then I go then buy I go it a buy drink afterwards because I have to apologize to it. <laughs> nah, just kidding. So, uh, okay, cool. So, manual, uh, all that good stuff. Um, well, let's talk more the um, airport specifics now. So, what is your favorite airport to go take photos at? My favorite airport? Um, so, I don't know if I really have that favorite airport to go to. I would say... For, for commercial, it's got to be LAX, just because I, I grew up around it, and it was just always, hey, can we go to LAX, can we go to LAX, and just watching all the different variety of airliners and airlines going into that. Yeah, you can't be in an LAX variety trip, like, LAX is like, it's the spotting airport, let's be honest, it is and, the and spotting the airport. there, the spots there are awesome, it, you, oh. you don't get that at JFK. No, JFK, they'll run you out. Um, although I, I do kind of want to go to Miami. I've seen a lot of cool pictures from there. A lot of that same type of variety mixed with awesome spots. So that is on my list, although I've never yeah. been there. Um, for or Sorry, for military, though, uh, I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but it's kind of got to be Nellis slash Fallon. Um, both are equally frustrating. Uh, I'm sure you can relate. There's just nothing better than a whole day of red flag for arrivals when they all go left for left. And then you hear them go 
right for a right, and then that crushes your soul. Yeah. Um, or just, you know, the constant pattern changes. You'll have planes landing in the direction where planes are taking off head-on towards them. I know that sounds completely crazy, but if you go to Nellis, you'll see it's just a normal thing. <laughs> I don't know how they get away with that. You know, you want to know, you want to know a funny story about that? So this happened. So Jordan and I were at twenty one one, and so Green Flag is launching, and then and the normal guys are launching. They're launching Cheyenne. Uh, if you don't know what a Cheyenne launch is, they launch towards the Strip. So. Us being the red flag veterans that we are, everyone is like, they're launching Cheyenne. Everyone's going to Cheyenne. So everyone goes to Cheyenne, except for Jordan and I and like a like maybe two other people. So we're like, you know what? Okay, let's go, let's go get set up on Speedway and get a good spot. Well, as soon as the bones start taking off on uh, zero th- or zero 03, uh, launching the Speedway, which is a normal red flag launch, so, you know, of course, it's just me and Jordan and two other people getting the B1s flexing out and uh, all the other stuff, and here comes the convoys. Yeah. You know, it's just like, this is this experience. This is this is how it goes at Nellis. It really, it, it's constant movement. And I'm not one of those people where if you've gone to Nellis, you can totally relate to this. That runs from gate 7 to 4 or gate 7 to 5 because you know the growlers are on downwind or whatever I I don't I don't do that I refuse to do that just because I don't think the 100 feet of running is going to make a difference with my 400 millimeter lens I I think it's funny watching the people but oh I'm totally I am totally a runner I am absolutely a runner <laughs> you're one so, of the runners huh? I'm, okay. so I'm not okay I'm not a runner to like gate to gate but I'm running if they're like close to me Okay. Yeah. I, I, if they're if they're like close to me, and if you like the, you get like a four ship, right? You know, like the, you know, because like the lead will cut in, and then the next guy's gonna come in, and you know they're gonna space each other out. That's when I'll go if like near me, but I'm not gonna run gate to gate. However, I have run gate to gate because I was trying to get fitter. I sometimes will hear me out. If you want to get some cardio in, go to Red Flag and don't take a car. Yeah. You will you will run a couple miles. Go at it for sure. Maybe that's what I and then you go to Caesar's Buffet after that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely do that last part. I can't say I do the cardio part, though. Well, you have to reward yourself. But, I mean, hey, you know, to teach your own. <laughs> I brought my girlfriend a red flag What when the India, the Kafirs were there back in, what, 18-2, 18-3? Oh, God. And she said never again. <laughs> never again, huh? Never. Well, granted, it's like 118 degrees out that day, so oh, we just started so dating, so too. So it was dash three? It was a dash three. Well, there's your problem right there. But it was it was Columbia Kafirs though. Oh well, yeah, but you don't bring your girlfriend to the dash three. You bring her to the dash one or the dash two. You know, the, to the to the dash two because it's spring break, called spring break. Also, you got it. You got you got enticed them right. No, luckily we're we're all good with that. I know she's listening to the show, but we have a major, probably major announcement coming up here in a month and a half or so. So she doesn't listen to the show, so I can say that. But. Uh, don't worry, check, check the group chat after we're done, Julian. Sweet, yeah. Um, but anyway, so we, I forgot, completely forgot to ask you this. I want to, uh, what was your home airport? What is your 
consider your home airport? Yeah, I briefly touched up upon it. Uh, it was at Burbank Airport, or back then it might have oh, been okay. called Bob Hope Airport, and now it's called Hollywood Burbank Airport. It's gone through so many name changes. Let's just go with the code is uh, KBUR, so that is my home airport. Um, but now, living here up in Portland, my home airport is PDX, which is located as the crow flies literally less than two miles from me however i have to go across a river so the drive is about you know six miles the mighty columbia river but uh, i literally hear every plane taking off and landing out of that place so that's yeah. usually the eyes and at least the ears of that place yeah i remember i miss living by boi when it actually so we moved out to napa i'm gonna down one for 2-9 napa so it's really cool like all the warbirds and stuff like that will fly over and then i'll be like the yak last night for example that came in uh, when i lived in boi i lived a mile from the airport and he like i see something's coming in oh crap something's coming now it takes me 20 minutes to get to boi <laughs> yeah so so as uh, compared to five minutes to 20 minutes it sucks but yeah this is i Growing up next to Burbank Airport, there was rarely military there. It just wasn't one of those airports where I, there was ever military presence there. Um, but going to all those air shows, I'd always you know, told myself, damn, you know, if I was rich, I'd build a house next to that air, air base. You know, something a kid would think about. And then moving up here, I'm literally next to, you know, the Oregon Air National Guard base. So I'm kind of living that little kid's dream of, you know, hearing F-15s take off and even when it's cloudy i can hear them starting up and that you know that sound it, oh yeah yeah that's awesome to hear in the morning you know good wake-up call yeah so so really briefly though let's talk about fallon i totally forgot about your whole fallon stuff yeah so 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 first off so naval air station fallon um give a brief synopsis that's where the united states navy has a nautic naval air weapons development center uh that's the home of top gun um, but they also do some pretty cool stuff to photographers if you can set it up just right. So you want to go ahead and explain kind of how significant this is? Yeah, so I, I mainly go through a friend of mine who's another spotter. He has a close contact with a couple people on the base. And sometimes if the timing is right, and of course I can, I can make it down there, um, we're able to go on not only the ramp, but next to the runway and do, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but El Centro does something like that. They call it a photo call. Well, I get, I don't know if I should call this a photo call because it's, it's not like that. It's usually limited to about five people at most. So last time I was down there, it's pretty much just me and a few buddies. And we just hung out, you know, next to the runway at Top Gun for four hours. I, I brought my girlfriend out there and she was absolutely loving it. Um, and just watching, I believe it was two launches and one recovery for an SFARP of a carrier wing. It was about half a carrier wing actually, but uh, yeah. And I also have spotted outside, which you do need permission from the base to do. I cannot stress that enough. It is. It's been tried before, spotting outside uh, the base, and the locals are quick to respond, or quick to report you, actually, to the base, and the local sheriff will come out and not be too happy with you if you don't have prior permission. Um, with that said, spotting outside Fallon is just as frustrating 
if not more frustrating than Nellis because uh, Navy flight patterns are quite tight compared to the Air Force. Not as much mm-hmm. wiggle room. And with less spots around Fallon compared to Nellis, you're limited to pretty much what you can get. And sometimes you're going to be out there and you might have that CAG just completely cut the pattern in tight and you have no chance of getting it. So um, the only reason I'd say that's one of my favorite places to go or one of my favorite airports uh, is just the sheer variety of stuff. You're having entire carrier wings there at a time and all the top end stuff. And then the access I've been uh, awarded there, you know, next to the runway. I, I, I'll never forget pulling up to the runway in the van with, you know, 10 Super Hornets at the last chance area right next to the end of the runway. And three Hornets lined up on the threshold. And I was inside the van with earplugs on. And those Supers went out. And every bone inside me was rattling. Just absolutely it was incredible. It was, I will never forget that moment. And then, you know, stepping out and watching this and then thinking, oh, oh crap, I got to set up my camera. I completely blew that. You know, I, I got to get my camera out. But I was just like literally jaw dropped seeing all those planes that close to me. Yeah, you got those elusive S-16s, Navy S-16s also. Oh, yeah. And we might have seen... I probably have to pay 10 bucks for saying this, but a MiG-28. I have a very hard policy of no Top Gun represents on this podcast, oh. Julian. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just kidding. Nah, just kidding. Okay. Nah, that's, pretty, that, that, that's pretty cool, though. That's pretty cool, though. That is a policy on base. No Top Gun movie references. If you do, it is, I believe it's a $10 fine. So if you ever have that opportunity, warning you now, do not make any movie references. <laughs> guys that's gonna do it for part one of this awesome episode with julian how do you guys like it so far i think that it is so so awesome that we have such a true av geek on the show that this loves talking about this stuff so if you guys are ready to hear more of julian on part two please make sure to come back next week next wednesday is where we're going to air part two i hope to see you guys there and man, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. So make sure you guys stop back. Uh, part two that's gonna be airing next Wednesday. And uh, uh, one last little thing I forgot to mention on the intro: my microphone broke, so I'm currently uh, use this holding my mic to my to my mouth. I'm not don't have a stand or anything like that. So if you guys hear like little ticks and talks and all that, that's just me holding the mic. But anyway, guys, so I can't wait to see you guys next week for part two of episode 27. So until next week, keep those cameras ready and those batteries charged, and I'll catch you next week for part two of episode 27 on the Aviation Spotters Podcast. Podcast.